Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. All right, so let me go back into the definition because you may be wondering what the word fishing means, P-H. I-S-H-I-N-G. This is the definition of phishing. Um, it means it is a form of fraud in which attacker tries to learn information such as login credentials or account information by masquerading as a reputable entity. Let me, let me just say that again. By masquerading as a reputable entity. In other words, we shouldn't be masquerading in the church. Or a person, an email, I am, or any other communication channels, phishing emails look authentic on the surface. Oh, boy. But when you look closer at the details you will find some discrepancies. One of the reasons why I believe the Lord had me to name this particular message Fishing Christians is because when you look beneath the surface of a Christian, you shouldn't see any discrepancies. You should see God. Amen? And But sometimes in churches, we, we, we can come in here with that fake church mindset. Hello, somebody. And that's what God has been dealing with us on, and that's why I read you some scriptures about integrity. So um, we, we learn about uh, Elijah McCoy. Elijah McCoy was a black inventor uh, who was born in 1844, and Elijah McCoy created what's called the lubricating regulator that revolutionized the railroad industry. His uh, regulators were so good that, of course, when you make something good, there's always going to be somebody to try to make a counterfeit because they want to make some profit as well. But the counterfeit regulator was breaking down. And so the industry, when people would come to them that looked like Elijah McCoy's regulator, they would ask, is this the real McCoy? That's where the term came from from Elijah McCoy. So in other words, what they were asking is, is this the real thing? I know it looks like his regulator, but I know it's probably going to break down because it's not his. See, in other words, saints of God, are you a real saint? Do you hide behind your church? Because you can ask some people, you know, are you, are you a Christian? You, yeah, I go to blah, blah, blah church. <laughs> it's almost as if your salvation is dependent upon what church you're a member of. But it is not. You can be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost in a 20,000-member church or a church the size of ours. The size of the church is, is, not, is not why you are saved. You're saved because of the size of our God. Right? I, I love that people are saved when they come to this house. I, I think that's awesome. But I want to get you saved when you get here. All right? So we want people who are unsaved. I, I tell you what, I want the rough people. I want people who, who got the tattoos, the earrings. They, they just come into church and you make you go, ooh. But don't you know that's where it be? Where it should be? Right here? In here? Right? Listen, so spiritually, if God was to look beneath the surface of who you were, you didn't look any better. You just start to clean up a little bit, you know, and wear some better clothes, you know. But when I came off of the streets, I mean, I would be one of the people that you would look at and go, Lord, why is he in the church? <laughs> First of all, the old mothers, you know, I, I, I went to church sometimes, but my mom was a part of a Pentecostal church. And y'all know what I'm talking about, right? 
you, 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 certain things you can and cannot do in a Pentecostal church. So I knew that. I knew, I knew the protocol, so I would always sit on the back row. <laughs> right? I ain't going up there by them church mothers. Because, see, one thing about church mothers, if you've ever been around a real church mother, they don't have to say a word and you get convicted. See, let me tell you why. It was because of who they were in love with. See, see, an old church mother will get up and start singing and can't sing a note. But after a while, you stop complaining. And when you start seeing those tears roll down that old woman's face, and it's not about how the song sounds anymore. It's about who she's in love with. And she will draw you in into that relationship, and you stop complaining, and you start weeping. Why? It's because of who she's in love with. See, those old church mothers had something that has to be restored in the church again. They had a prayer life. And I knew I was wrong because I would be hung over when I get there. And I, I didn't know it, but I reeked of liquor. I didn't know it because it was coming out of my pores. I couldn't smell it. But my mama knew when I was in the church. <laughs> didn't I just tell you I sat on the back row? <laughs> my mama, she would go. <laughs> and I'd be like, man, what? And it wouldn't be my breath, it would be my pores. Why? Because I've been drinking all night long. Right? And that liquor started coming through your pores. And I'm wondering why the mothers all knew my stuff. And I'm thinking, man, these people are prophetic up in here, boy. <laughs> no, it's like they got a contact every time I came to church. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? Can I just be real today? You know, and I'm sitting here because you don't smell it. It's like when you smoke weed. You don't smell. Can I get real in here for a second? I, I thought I was in the right church. Just like when you smoke weed. You don't, you don't smell the weed. But if you walk by somebody, they go, oh, God. Boy. You know what I'm saying? Because it gets in your skin, your port, your clothes, everything. You know it. If, you, if, if someone smokes, you know it. You can walk in the house and you know it. It gets in the clothes. It gets into everything, right? It permeates everything. Listen, just like weed and just like alcohol permeates everything, we should allow the Holy Spirit to permeate yes. everything in our lives. Amen. And see, when you get permeated by the Spirit of God, there's a new atmosphere that you set when you walk in a place. And people go, oh boy, did you smell Jesus? Did you, did you sense something change when that person walked in the room? Every time you walk in a situation, the atmosphere should change because you're full of Jesus. See, when I go places and people start straightening up, they have to. Then I, I see, I've realized it's not because of me. It's because of the king that's walking in me. Right? And they are respecting the king. Listen, I now command authority. No, you don't go into a place, oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. No, you command authority in a place. Why? He gave you his name. His name is not to be played with. That's why we shouldn't be using his name in vain. I use his name when I need it. And if you use his name in vain, when you try to use it when you need it, he ain't coming. It has no power because you've been playing with it for too long. Use his name when you need to. You can say Buddha all day long. Ain't no power in Buddha's name in the first place. You never hear people go, oh, Buddha. 
Oh, Muhammad. You, why you don't hear those names? Why? Because there's no power in that name. That's why they use the Lord's name in vain. Because they know there's power in that name. The devil knows there's power in that name. He wants you to disrespect that name. He don't even care about you loving God. He just don't want you to love Jesus. There's a lot of people, oh yeah, I believe God, but that Jesus. Uh-huh, why? Because Jesus was the one that stood up and, de and declared these words. He said, nobody can get to the Father but through me. Muhammad never said that. He can't say it. Muhammad died and still dead. Jesus is living. See, God is not dead. He is surely alive. Hello, somebody. You hear, you hear with me? So that was Elijah McCoy. He's the real thing. Can anyone relate to the following statements I'm about to make? I pretend to be a perfect spouse. I pretend to be a perfect parent. I pretend to be a perfect Christian. I pretend not to be angry when I really am. I pretend not to be offended when actually I'm furious. I pretend that all my problems have been solved. I pretend that I'm not worried when I'm full of anxiety. I pretend to be happy when I'm miserable. I pretend to be confident when I'm confused. I pretend to forgive when I haven't. These statements are mine. Every one of them. I've been in them. I have pretended in all of them. So I wasn't speaking at you to see where you have been pretending. Those were my statements. Because I've pretended in all of them. Every one of them. So I'm coming naked and not ashamed before you as a church today to say I have, I have been one of the best pretenders you ever want to see. I, have, I, have, I should have a degree in fakery. I'm telling you, when I first got saved, I didn't understand prayer. So when people ask me, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. But at home, my home was, was jacked up. Y'all know what that is, right? That's ghetto for messed up. Elaine was in a state of depression. My marriage was on the rocks. Everything was falling apart. We were broke. We were about to get kicked out. We had nothing. We didn't have any food. So when you say stuff like that, that's why it touches my heart, because I've been there. And as a man, let, can, let me explain something. Let me explain something. <laughs> for a man not to be able to provide for his family, that's one of the biggest kicks in the gut that any man can receive. I felt like a failure. I wasn't saved. So my out was, I thought they would be better off without me. I had no idea God had a plan for my life. I really didn't know who God was. My, uh, my whole idea about church was lived through my mama's experience. 
I really didn't have one for myself. So I was reasoning to myself that maybe they would be better off without me because I couldn't provide for them in the first place. That's when I hit rock bottom because the whiskey The whiskey wasn't providing the answers that I was looking for. And I was still empty even though I was drinking. I didn't get saved in church. I got saved in a little apartment in Atlanta, Georgia. It was just me and God. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't, I didn't know anything about what's called the sinner's prayer. I'm a roughneck off the streets. And um, I hit that crossroads. And um, I'm trying to debate about would they really be better off without me. So and I said, I said, God. I don't know you. These are my words. God, I don't know you, but Mama knows you. And uh, if you help me, I promise you I'll live the rest of my life for you. That's all I said. I didn't hear trumpets. The room didn't light up. I can't even tell you that I felt any different. But when I got off of that floor, I knew something had changed. My wife called. We were getting ready to bring in the new year, and I, she knows how I like to bring in the new year. I need to be back there. <laughs> and... Um, she called me. She said, honey, you want me to stop by the liquor store? Because she knew my favorite drink was what? Crown, Crown Royal. <laughs> Purple bag. <laughs> I had purple bags all over the apartment. <laughs> Full of pennies. And, uh, and I said, no. I said, no, I don't want any liquor. And... Uh, I said, um, but uh, I'll talk to you when you get home. And my wife said, are you okay? <laughs> I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. I said, I'll talk to you when you get home. And she said, well, you want me, to, want me to get some beer or something? I said, no, no. I said, I don't want any beer. And she said again, she said, honey, are you sure you okay? <laughs> I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll talk to you when I get home. And she said, uh, are you sure? I said, yeah. I said, oh, oh. I said, go get some of that sparkling that cider stuff I didn't know what it was because I always drank the real stuff right? Right, right so you know that sparkling that non-alcoholic sparkling stuff I said get some of that and she said honey you are you sure you okay I said yeah 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 I'm fine I'm fine I said I'll talk to you when you get home 
So she got that, and, and uh, I'm telling you guys, we, we were broke. I mean, we were dead broke. I left the job making $80,000 a year. We moved to Atlanta, and I was making $25,000 a year, right? We had a house in Alabama we was paying a mortgage on. We had an apartment in Atlanta, which is a mortgage. We saw $25,000 in savings go to zero in one month. We had nothing, no food. So we, we hit a, a crossroads. Elaine got home, and I said, honey, um, I said, I don't know what just happened, really. I said, but I think I got saved. I didn't know for sure, right? Because I'm sure there was some protocol that I needed to follow, right? Surely, because there's protocol in every church. So I said, honey, I think I got saved. I said, from this day forward, I'm done with drinking. I'm done with cussing. I cussed like a sailor. I was a Marine. I, I made up words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, so when, when people, especially at the plant, when they get around me, they do use all that foul language. They say, oh, chaplain, I'm sorry. I'm like, bro, you ain't saying nothing I hadn't created. So it's like I, I told her, I said, listen, and, and I used to smoke cigars. I used to smoke the good cigars. I had a humidor with my cigars in them to keep them fresh. And I used to smoke Macanudos. So just to give you an idea. And so I said, I'm throwing that away. I'm, I'm done with cussing. I'm done with drinking. And she looked at me. <laughs> and she said, you know what, baby? If you want to follow God like that, I do too. We both cried ourselves into the new year. Caitlin on the floor with us. We didn't have anything but that little cider. And we knew from that moment things were going to be different. So we found a church home. Uh, uh, it was uh, Free Chapel Worship Center with Pastor Jensen Franklin. That's where we joined. And that was the first time I was in a church with white people. I'm going to be honest with you. I had never worshipped with white people before. And so, and I'm in this place, and there's probably 2,500 people there, and I see, I see these white people with their hands lifted up. And I'm sitting like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> and, and then I begin to see tears rolling down. I'm, not, I'm off of the streets, guys. I'm not used to this. I came from a jet black church that did a lot of running around, but I really didn't know true worship. Now, they still love God just as much, but it was different, right? I, I, they praised. They knew how to run around the church. And I was like, man, that's bad right there. And the preacher used it. And the boy, he knew how to do that thing. And I was sitting there like, boy, that joke is going for it right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It would get you riled up, boy. And Jesus. And boy, they used to get it, boy. And I'm like, man, boy, that dude is getting it. And so <laughs> and I'm just my life, guys. I'm just sharing my life. And so, but I, I began to see people lift their hands and, and, and tears. And that was the first time I ever experienced a pastor stand in the pulpit and weep was Pastor Franklin. And I said, that's what I want, God, right there. And I shouldn't have asked for that. <laughs> Because the 
very next Sunday, I was up there at that pulpit weeping until snot ran down. It was like God was cleansing me. Cameras and all, I did not care. He just cleansed all the alcohol out of me, the drugs, the smoking, the cussing, the vileness of my life. He just began to cleanse me right there at that altar. And I knew right then and there, God is real. He's real. That you can't play with God. No more pretending. But because before I got saved, I was the best pretender around. You couldn't beat me at fakery. If you fake a little, I fake more. You know, come on, the one-uppers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody always got to one-up you. I, I was one of those kind of guys. Well, you know, I, I got this, you know, I got this from Coles. Well, I got mine from Belk. Well, I got mine from Saks. Well, I got mine from even Marcus. I always had to go up one, right? I was like that. I was the best poser. So those statements I just read to you, that's John Lofton. Now, everybody in this room, if you're honest, have faked something in your life before. So what I'm talking about, saints of God, is not me having my act together. It's me having to live by the same word that I preach. That there's, we got to stop all of this fakery in the house of God. And we got to stop pretending. Amen? Amen? So I got some confessions that we need to confess, right? All right, let's do some confessing today. Say this with me. It is time, it is time for, all for all church fakery to die. It is time for all pretending to be terminated. It is time for all deception to be destroyed. It is time for all counterfeit Christianity to cease. It is time to stop playing church and be the real McCoy. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to stop playing. Mm -hmm. It's time to stop playing, and I trust me, I, I don't play with your souls. I'm very serious about what I do up here in this pulpit. This is why I don't mind sharing with you my life, because I'm transparent about my life. God has brought me from a mighty long way. I was not qualified to be in this pulpit to talk with you. God qualified me. And when he called me, I wasn't ready, but he was. So I want to help somebody today. When God calls you, don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. He's already qualified you before he called you. All God is, is waiting on is obedience. Now, listen, here's, here's the real reason, because I, I had to do some deep stuff, man. I don't like all this deep preaching, but because God goes deep with me. And I'm like, God, can I just be on the surface today? He said, nope, you're going to go deep. I said, okay. He, here's why we pose and pretend. And this is, this is going to be crystal clear when I say this statement. It's because we want to look successful. We have failed at so many things, we don't want to look like a failure. So now, 
Why, where did this come from? Because man's idea of success is not the same as God. Okay, let me, let me put it this way. A lot of pastors equate a large church with success. I don't. Because you can have a large church full of heathens. Neither, uh, you hear what I'm saying? Neither do I equate a small church as being unsuccessful. Can I help you here about success? Can I help somebody? This is what God had to teach John Lofton about success. He said, John, my idea about success can be tied to one statement or one question. Are you obedient to the call? It doesn't matter how big or how small. If you are obedient to the call, you are, in God's eyes, a success. So now I don't, I don't judge the empty seats like I used to because I'm obedient to the call. And as long as I stay obedient to the call, in God's eyes, I'm already a success. Hello? Now, it would be great if the seats were full this morning. That would be awesome. They will get full. I'm not, that's not my job to fill seats. My job is to fill souls. Right? I would rather have maybe about, what, 60 folks in How many folks in here, Randy? About 60 people. I would rather have 60 people who are full of God than to have 6,000 people who have served God. Any day. You can accomplish a heck of a whole lot more with 60 who are committed than 6,000 when, when only 20% of the 6,000 are committed. The 80-20 rule. Uh-uh. No, I'll, I'll take this any day of the week. I'll take it. I'll take it. So I don't really care what man thinks. That's why I don't go to conferences about how to grow a church. I've never been to one, never will go to one. Because if God wants to grow the church, he will do it. I don't have to follow another man's prototype. Because my anointing is not theirs. Their anointing is not mine. What God has spoken to me about this church has nothing to do with anybody else but me and God. I want to encourage you because you don't have to act like, talk like, preach like anybody else. God gave you your own anointing. He gave you your own vision. All you have to do is stay in your lane. If you just stay in your lane, don't, don't be cutting off in somebody else's lane. Stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane, you will get to the finish line and accomplish what God has called you to do. That's why I don't try to get over here or over there. I stay in my lane. Pastor, why haven't you done this? Because that ain't in my lane. My lane is right here. I'm staying in my lane. Come on, somebody. I'm staying in my lane. God hadn't called me to, to do this, that, and else. He hadn't called me to have some video ministry. I don't have no video ministry right now. I'm staying in my lane. I am not going to have a church full of videos. That's somebody else's lane. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You go to church to watch a video. You can do that at the house. And I'm, not, I'm not knocking it at all because I believe Pastor Futur is the best at doing it at Elevation. They know how to do it. They got it down. They got the program down. Can't nobody beat Pastor Futur at what he does. Why? Because pastor is in his lane. I love the man. I love what they're doing. They're getting people to church that never went to church. So if you're talking bad about elevation, get your mouth off of that ministry and start doing something. Because the moment you bring 20,000 into the church, then you can start talking. Hello. Who cares? I, they, they, I know what they're preaching. 
But guess what? That's his lane. And if you stay in your lane, you won't have time to be talking about. The problem is people can point fingers at somebody else because you ain't doing what God has called you to do. <laughs> can somebody say amen in here? Shoot, that man is doing what he's called to do. Praise. I, I love it. Let us see that place packed. Praise God. Because some of them are going to fall off up in here. They're already doing it. Why? He can take them so far. He can catch them, but I can clean them. We need both. He can get them to the Lord, and I can keep them in the Lord. Hello. Now, I'm not saying me personally, but I'm saying the God in me can do it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because I know somebody said that pastor said he's. No, I'm not trying to be all arrogant here. I'm talking about the Lord in me. See, I trust the God in me to overcome the world and anybody else. Great is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So let me let me, let me give you a quote here because, you know, I love quoting stuff. This is Mother Teresa. She said, God has not called me to be su successful. He has called me to be faithful. See, and I want to encourage you because sometimes you might look at your situation or your ministry or your job or your business and you might say, well, you know, their business has got this many clients or that ministry is that big or that church is that big and they're doing that. They over here doing that, this, that and the other. Listen, stop all that. Stop all that. Stop all that. Are you faithful to what God called you to do? That, that, just stop it all. Before you point fingers at another church or another Christian. Ask yourself, and am I faithful to the call that God has on my life? If you're not, keep your mouth off of anybody else. Now, I'm teaching you what God had to teach me. I had to get my mouth off of everything else because I thought the idea of success was based on seats. But God said, John, I'm not trying to build the church. I'm trying to build you. Because if I build the church before I build you, the church would break you. I hope that's helping somebody. God can't build your business until he builds you. Because if he gives you the business before he builds you, the business will break you. <laughs> so while you want 100 clients and you can't handle the 10, when you learn how to handle the 10, he can give you the 20. Then he can show you how do you bring other people alongside of you. He can train them up, teach you something. You can't learn all of that just by reading a book. You got to go through it. Hello, somebody. See, God, God brought me through this, man, the trial of starting a church with no people and no money. So I've learned a great deal about what it takes to start a church. Apostles knew how to start churches from scratch. I wasn't given a thousand-member church. We raised this church up from nothing. So I've, I've been through a, a couple of things, some things that I had to go through that were very difficult. How do you split a church that only have 12 people? We went through that. We only had 12 people, and they wanted half of them. Hey, why do you want six folks? 12 people, you remember that? 12 people, split the church. But guess what God says? They're not yours in the first place. I said, well, praise the Lord. Let's keep it moving. And that's what we did, right? We kept it moving. We kept rolling. God started to build me more and more and more. You know what he was doing? He was teaching me not to trust people, but to trust him. Amen. Am I helping anybody today? 
See, when you stop putting your trust in people and start trusting God, then God will put the right people around you. Okay. All right. I, I, I really didn't want to preach today, so I'm just talking. Right? Can, I, can we just talk? Okay. So we're just talking today. So here, here we go. Here we go. Um, let's, let's get through this because I want to. How can we identify fishing Christians? Here we go. They are self-glorified. This is how you identify somebody who's a fishing Christian, a fake Christian. And I want to take this from Luke chapter 4. I want to paraphrase because I want to get you out of here. Uh, this is when Satan tempted Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he told Jesus, you know, um, I want you to, uh, well, let's just read it. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Then you can see it better. Luke chapter 4. All right. We're taking this slow because I think it's necessary that we just have a conversation today. Is that okay? Uh, chapter 4, verse 6, and the devil said to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to you, uh, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Now, listen, uh, one thing I got to teach you here is about um, authority. The devil said, all of this authority has been given to me. Well, it had been given to him because Jesus never rebuked him to say he didn't have it. Let me tell you where it was given. You got to go back to the book of Genesis. When you go back to the book of Genesis, Adam and Mrs. Adam had all authority. They were created in the majesty of God, in the image of God. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So in other words, he gave them the ability and the authority to do what God has done. They had the authority. When they abdicated their responsibility and they sinned, the authority was taken away from man and given to the devil. See, the devil couldn't take it. They had to give it to him. The devil can't take anything away from you, saints. You got to give it to them. He has no authority over you, first of all. So the reason I know the devil had it, because when you go to, when you start looking at um, when Noah built the ark, afterwards, he told them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. He did not say subdue and have dominion. Why? Because man didn't have it. So when Jesus came on the scene, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on the earth. Right? Okay. Jesus had not said it yet. So when the devil said, all this authority, I will give it to you, Jesus hadn't said, all the authority is mine. So the devil actually had it. If he had not had it, Jesus would have rebuked him and said, no, this authority is not yours. Are you here? I just had to clean that up a little bit. But, but what he was looking for was worship. So he, he did, did you see it? Let's read it again. He said, all this authority uh, I will give to you. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. So what, what is that? He wanted Jesus to bow down to him. He wanted to, he said, Jesus, I got some authority. So if I give you this authority, you can look good in front of everybody. You can be self-glorifying. See, people that want to self-glorify, they say they want to be in the back, but they actually want to be in the front. He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We have to walk in humility. The anointing, the, the giftings, and the talents that's on your life, that didn't come from you. That came from God. 
That's why we got to worship him because of what he's already given us. Preaching, business, sound mind, things that you can do, things that you can figure out. That all came from God. You got to give God that glory. It doesn't matter how close you are to him. He gave it to you. The Bible says it like this. What do you have that wasn't given? Everything that you have, including your very life, was given to you. Think about it. What do you have that wasn't given to you? A job that was given to you. Your house. Well, you're paying for it, but they gave it to you. But the bank let you live in it <laughs> temporarily until that check stopped coming. And then, you know, y'all know how that is. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. So they're self-glorifying. Check this out. Pride produces false prophets and opportunistic men and women who parade their talents and look more like ecclesiastical entrepreneurs rather than servants of God. You probably have seen that around pulpits. and they talented. Whoa, that boy sure can't sing. <laughs> but is he anointed or is he talented? See, talent will get you off of the seats. But talent won't change you. The anointing is the only thing that'll break yokes. So although you might leave the place excited, but you don't leave changed. Okay. All right. Let me move on. Okie dokie. We're moving on so I can get you out of here. They are also miracle dependent. Got to see a miracle. See, there's a, there's a time when Jesus sent them out two by two. You remember? And, uh, man, they was casting out devils. People were being healed. I'm paraphrasing now. And uh, they came back and they said, ooh, Jesus, man, the devils, man, the demons were cast out. Man, we were just doing our thing, thing. <laughs> they probably didn't say thing, thing, you know. <laughs> That's the ghetto Bible that I'm writing. And uh, so, and Jesus said, glory not that the demons obey you, but glory more that your names are written in the book of life. You know what he was doing? He was trying to get them back to the place of salvation because if you become miracle dependent, then you're going to always look for a miracle. And if you don't see a miracle, you will equate that. Well, God ain't even in the house. Because your sum total of all of your experience has been through miracle signs and wonders. And Jesus just said, don't put all of your faith in the miracle. So in other words, Jesus says, I want you to love me and trust me because of who I am, not because of the miracles I perform. Yeah. What if he don't give you the miracle? You still got to trust him. Amen. So, so that's why he says, don't glory in the miracles. Glory in the man, Christ Jesus. If you glory in him, the miracles will follow. Hello, somebody. So he doesn't want you to get off kilter to start looking for. See, a lot of people equate falling out in the floor to an anointing. That ain't no anointing. That ain't that. that look, I, I, there are scores of people who fall out in the floor when I lay hands on them, and there are others who do not. I don't care if you fall out in the floor. That, that, ain't, that ain't even the reason why I'm up here. If you fall out, you fall out on your own. I ain't going to push you down. <laughs> Amen. You know what? I, when I first got saved, I was not going down. You were not going to embarrass me. <laughs> not up in here. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Shoot, I'll plant that back foot. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. And while they push it, I'm getting steady. I'm cussing at the altar. You ain't got to push me. I told you I was off of the streets, guys. I'm still trying to get used to this Christian thing, right? <laughs> but a real anointing, it'll knock you on your rear end. And when Pastor Robert Kayanja from Ghana came to our church, and I told you guys this story, I, I, had, I have no idea what happened. The man never even touched me. Never, the, we had a big church, so he was way up on the pulpit, and I was holding my pastor's hand, and he came down. He said, brother, <laughs> Ovi can probably say it better than me, because Ovi is from Africa, and so, so you Nigeria, right? Nigeria, and uh, he said, brother, I'll never forget these words. He said, you are an instrument in the hands of God. Never forget those words. And guys, all he did was power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what? That's all he did. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it ain't like his man didn't lay hands on me. That brother, all he did was that right there, power of the Holy Ghost. And about five, six minutes later, I'm blinking. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, why, why are you guys standing up? And my little daughter, Caitlin, Caitlin, I had Caitlin's other little hand. And she said, Daddy, you okay? <laughs> that was my first experience with so-called falling out under the power of God. But God did something in me when I was out. So here's the deal. It's not how you fall. It's how you get up. Can I give you some word? Let me give you some word here. And let me wrap this thing up. They came to arrest Jesus. He said, whom do you seek? He said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And they fell down backwards. But then they got up and they still arrested him. So it's not how you fall. It's how you get up. You ain't got to fall for me. You ain't doing no courtesy drop for me. No, if you go out, you go out. That's between you and God. Amen. If you don't go out. But listen, some people say, well, he must not be anointed. Ain't nobody falling out in the floor. I'm so glad I don't equate an anointing to what people say. Because the blessing is, did you get changed when you was at the altar? Not if you fall out in the floor, none of those church. And see, that's that fakery that I'm talking about, pretending. Because some people do a courtesy drop. They ain't God. You know it ain't God. Let me tell you, when you know it's God. Well, let me tell you when you know it's God. <laughs> you know it's God is if when it's almost embarrassing. Yeah. Right? When, when you ain't even looking, and all of a sudden you say, oh. <laughs> and your knees just buckle. Yeah. Right, Karen? See, that's what I'm talking about. And so when you're just like, I don't know what happened. That's God. Dude, that's no fakery. That is the Lord. Now, does that happen every time? No. Should it happen every time? No. But when you come to the altar, you come to the altar to get something from God. But if you come with an open heart, he'll feel it. He'll do whatever he needs to do to change your life. Is, is, is this okay?
We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.